Uh, greetings, friends. It's Chapo, Monday, May 2nd. Um, hello, gang. We're back again. And uh, the, the show is still continuing, despite, um, despite the fact that we are being censored by Elon Musk, and we are now being censored by uh, Joe Brandon's official government board of Ministry of Truth in 1984. Can you believe it, fellas? They've, they've gone and made 1984 the year. It's no longer 2022. It's 1984, like George Orwell uh, predicted. It's 1984 again. His dystopian novel, The Future, uh, the future of 1984, is now the present that we live in, thanks to Joe Brandon and his Ministry of Truth. Yeah, the new Minister of Truth is a Polish woman. So she accidentally did 1488. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I haven't seen much about the, uh, the Ministry of Truth other than people um, talking, about, uh, uh, talking about, you know, the 1984 parallels, the Ministry of Truth. I mean, like, this is just mainly set up to combat um, disinformation and stuff and, and, and Russian election narratives and stuff like that. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, like, you could, you could obviously complain about, like, this is the kind of shit Joe Brandon is doing instead of, um, I don't know, forgiving student loans or whatever. But, like, no, like, this is exactly who the people... He the, is delivering, but he's delivering to the people who vote for and care about the Democratic Party. This is their priorities, not forgiving student loans. It's combating misinformation on Twitter. Because, you know, it's a huge problem out there. So many people, millions of people, don't know whether they're talking to robots or not all day long. And the Ministry of Truth is going to tell, let you know, are you speaking to a robot or a real human being? It is, it's running a Turing test on all of Twitter to make sure that everything is true out there. I mean, I, I just don't see how this department could do anything. I mean, if it does actually do anything, it's absolutely horrifying. So the only thing that it can do is like make slideshows about how to identify disinformation. At the very worst, what it'll do is there'll be a government department that quote retweets you with not a good look instead of just somebody who uh, roots for the government i mean like the, the the scary response to like quote unquote disinformation has already happened it, it's like consortium news and shit getting banned from paypal and like getting taken off facebook it's like the slowly expanding vague mandate that like the only three social media platforms have to just like root out anything that goes against the atlantic council or apac so, like, I mean, I, this is, it, it kind of reminds me of, like, Great Reset shit. Like, it, it already happened. This, if anything, is sort of reassuring because it shows that there's still a ton of people doing this that absolutely suck. Like, this lady who d did, like, a musical Harry Potter erotica thing. Like, this is, kind of, this is kind of who you want in charge of censorship. Like, a fucking boob like this. Is that true about the, the erotic Harry Potter musical? Yeah. Went looking for some prefects in the bathroom one day. But instead I found Harry, and so I said, hey. I helped him solve the mystery of the A. And I'd like to solve the mystery between his legs. I hope you sing this song where, like, <laughs> Harry Potter eats her pussy in a bathroom. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> this is wait. Well, this she is calls, not, she this is it, not she misinformation. Calls an, she calls it an egg, which like gives me a lot of questions about female anatomy. It's like the older I get, the less I know. Okay. Okay. We, we, okay. We need a fact check on this disinformation right here. the The head of the Ministry of Truth uh, was in a erotic Harry Potter themed musical in which Harry Potter eats her pussy, which she refers to as an egg. Yeah, I could be misreading that. Like, that could be. <laughs> What See, women this call is their what clit now? This agency is <laughs> yeah, being tasked with doing, is stopping lesson. out this sort of misinformation. I mean, I guess like 
like once a month the pussy is kind of like an egg it has a wonderful like gooey thing in there that we all want <laughs> it's like the only time of the month that like I, I just like how it's the only part of the egg everyone really likes it's the only part of the pussy i really like i think you're thinking of a kinder egg felix you're thinking that it has like a, a treat in it, it has a little toy so do regular eggs the yellow part <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's just, uh, I, I personally think, um, disinformation and misinformation is like the funnest part about social media. Yeah. It rules. It's, yeah. It's just spreading, spreading, spreading misinformation is basically the funnest thing to do on social media. And, you know, I just, uh, we, we need, we need, we need better, we need better disinformation out there because this birds aren't real shit is not cutting it for me. It sucks. They, 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 those guys were on 60 minutes last night. Pathetic. Who who birds aren't real are like jib jab for the for for like the, yes, the sort exactly. of post post truth era. Yes. So like the joke with that is like it's making fun of conspiracy theories. Yeah. But like QAnon people believe they like astrally project into each other's dreams and kill each other. <laughs> yes. You can't like you can't really parody the real thing. Like the real <laughs> thing's already funny. <laughs> they believe like a homeless like a uh, harmonica player or I don't even know what he does is is the son of the dead president who died. Yeah, no, Donald Trump is president and his right hand man is a guy who lives in his car. Yeah, you cannot <laughs> top that. I, I do think that this like you said, that this whole thing is about pleasing the constituents, you know, people who care about the Democratic Party and think the only problem we have as a country is people that just have too much darn misinformation. If they had the real information, they'd know everything is fine and they would support Brandon. But, of course, it won't do anything. At the same time, though, it does. I mean, it really does get everybody. It's it's a great four quadrant program for everybody who still loves the news because now all of the Republicans get to feel finally like it's 1984 yeah. and that they're repressed. And so they'll, the, the, the branded people will get to fantasize that there's some misinformation bureau out there cleaning up the internet. And the, the, those people get to pretend that they're uh, in the fucking white rose in Germany in 1944. And in reality, yeah, they will just like be posting out uh, fucking infographics. That will be the, the entirety of it. Yeah, and like uh, to my original point, like uh, the 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 most committed uh, Democratic voters, the people who are really like hyped to show up for the midterms, they do not want any student loan relief. They can't stand the idea of it. Uh, like they're 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 sickened by it. So, but but this, the Ministry of Truth, uh, this is this speaks to a direct concern in their life, which is, are am I talking to a robot or not, or am, or am, or are the people making fun of me secretly Russian agents? Uh, this is this is a top concern for them. But I got to say, um, those birds aren't real people. I, I know it's all just a joke to them, but it's not a very funny joke. And I would like to personally just arrange an encounter between these dorks and a shoebill stork and just have <laughs> just to just have its giant gaping maw just fix itself around their skull. And then, I mean, and then we'll see. Then we'll see who's laughing about if our birds real or not. No, they're, they're real it, as fuck, asshole. Has a shoebill like ever attacked a person? I mean, God, I mean, you look at those fucking things and you got to assume that's the case. Maybe they just look scared. OK, how about this cassowary? A cassowaries definitely have attacked people. They, they, they could they could gut you easily with their dinosaur feet. Which bird is a cassowary? A cassowary a is a, it's a flightless, flightless bird. Feel. It's got like it's basically got the feet of a velociraptor. It yeah, it has these huge, talons. huge talons. And like and, and one it's like a velociraptor it has one particularly giant 
uh, you know, sort of uh, claw. And uh, they go straight for your gut. And they're, they're quite uh, aggressive. So, I mean, some might say they're, they're the realest bird of all, the cassowary. So, but it's flightless. It's flightless, yeah. So, like, if you had to jump on it, you could just punt it like a fucking football? <laughs> they're pretty big. They're pretty what big. If these, they're what, the... if these, what if these birds aren't real guys just kill all these beloved <laughs> rare birds? <laughs> then who's going to be sorry? I would fight a cassowary if I had, like, some sort of, like, a, a great shield. You know, like a shield of some kind that I could protect my, my abdomen with. Um, then, then, then things would get real for the cassowary and not yeah. vice versa. I would have to grind my strength. I've currently just been killing like <laughs> pigeons and sparrows outside my apartment. <laughs> and I think like once my poise gets high enough, probably next week, I can take on a cassowary. You're going to you have to farm for a little bit until you get to the, uh, the shoe yeah. bill boss. But anyway, so that's the, uh, that's the Ministry of Truth. I mean, hopefully, uh, hopefully it'll make all our, all, our, all our experience of online better. But um, uh, to, to kick off today's show, I wanted to um, uh, just sort of um, continue a little bit of a conversation that we had uh, last week on Thursday's show about the new, new post-post uh, right wing in this country. And uh, this is an article that comes courtesy of Newsweek um, that is uh, seeking to explain the latest phenomenon on the online post everything right that is known as dark MAGA. It's MAGA, but it's dark. And this is the cool new aesthetic that um, the online right is, uh, or at least some, some, some sectors of, I would say that this is uh, responding to these same things in the Vanity Fair article, but like the, the proponents of this are a little, bit, a little bit further downstream. And, you know, this is a cool new aesthetic and you'll never, you'll never guess what it is. Um, would it surprise you if I, if I told you that dark MAGA Basically, okay, like unlike previous forms of MAGA, this envisions Trump as sort of like an Adolf Hitler or Napoleon and um, seeks to share memes of him where his eyes are glowing with, with, with red light. Whoa. There's like, there's nothing new <laughs> in this. Like, like this is, isn't this just like what the vaporwave shit was? Yeah. Like six years ago. There's like nothing new. I don't like, I don't give a shit if, if the new thing were like killing me personally. I wouldn't care so long as it was like something that I hadn't seen before. If like the like new memes of like any political affiliation was just posting my exact GPS coordinates and like <laughs> blowing me up with a pipe bomb, as long as it wasn't like exit like like the article last week, you know, which was just that was just NRX. Like if it was just yeah. any new people or new things, the dark enlightenment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If, it, uh, if this, there was like a kill Felix enlightenment, I'd be like, well, <laughs> no one's done that before. Okay. I mean, well, dark MAGA is sort of like the dark counter enlightenment. You know, I mean, they're, they're, they're reaching back here. Um, and uh, courtesy of Newsweek, it says a small fringe of Donald Trump supporters is calling for the former president to get back on the highest stage of U.S. politics with a vengeance with the motto dark MAGA. <laughs> More of a meme than a political slogan, Dark MAGA is a post-alt-right aesthetic that promotes an authoritarian version of Trump in dystopian Terminator-like images. In some, the Trump Tower is painted entirely black and the former president is seen piercing through the screen with blue laser eyes. I guess a, a blue laser eyes would be the new mm. part of this aesthetic because usually they're red. So, like, do, are, do they? is that, like... They mean that they want like Trump to make that part of his slogan, dark MAGA. I think that they're just like, okay, like, I mean, that's an article like I uh, seeks to explain. It. It's like, it's just, it's just the latest iteration of the 
kind of uh, thwarted hopes and dreams of the MAGA movement and the way that they've tried to metabolize uh, losing a presidential election and, and their fantasies of, you know, the very real possibility that Trump could be president again. And like now, it, it, I mean, like this is exactly like um, everyone was talking about. You got to wait for a second term Obama. You got to wait for like, you know, uh, Trump to return from exile and then he's really going to drain the swamp and like, you know, do violence to all of the uh, the enemies who uh, you know slighted him or um, took took away his presidency from him. Yeah. Hamburger Party was the compromise. <laughs> this is just, like this is it. Just, it seems like if we were like in 2020, like Bernie, this time we got it. I, I know I like. I know it seems like maybe uh, South Carolina was a roadblock. Super Tuesday is not looking great. What if you like? What if you made the symbol of your campaign gritty? Well, I mean, like, yeah, or just or 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 guillotines. You get some yeah. guillotines going. Yeah, not bad. Uh, Newsweek continues. The aesthetics of the movement are easily recognizable. Images edited in red and black or red and blue featuring people with blue laser eyes, often holding weapons or standing in front of neo-Nazi symbols. Dark MAGA supporters are calling for a ruthless, unforgiving version of Trump to take revenge on his political enemies at the 2024 election. Though the movement hasn't been recognized or endorsed by Trump in any form, the former president hasn't even formally confirmed whether he'll run for president in 2024. In the description of the dark MAGA hashtag creator, as described by the Global Network on Extremism and Technology, dark MAGA represents Napoleon being exiled, then raising a fucking army to attack Europe and to attack elites. Dark MAGA is exactly what Trump is like. He's like (laughs) Napoleon. He's exactly the same as him. I'd like I assume for political enemies, like they obviously mean Democrats, but also like rhinos. Yeah, yeah. Just I mean anyone who didn't let him overturn the election. Yeah, Trump like just forgave a political enemy. He doesn't even know JD Vance's name and he's like, Oh, I I like him. (laughs) Oh, that was interesting. Like Like, him hating me hating me until like twenty nineteen. So yeah, when he was, uh, he he said uh, he's he's endorsed J.D. Mandel. So he confused that, like, or he sort of mashed them together like a Brendel fly thing, Josh Mandel and J.D. Vance, which I don't think was an error. I don't think I think that was done on purpose. I think he wants well, to like yeah. basically endorse both of them and sort of cover his bases to see because if any one of them wins, then he can take credit for it. But I think he'll just be like, oh, like I, whoever wins, he'll say he endorsed them. But I think uh, he's he's intentionally flubbing it so he can cover uh, both the Mandel and the Vance supporters. JD Vance got circumcised right after that, just in case. <laughs> uh, Bad news, Jewish JD. <laughs> uh, uh, it's the realization that there is no political solution beyond vengeance. Tweets another user: If you want to win, if you don't want to repeat the past, you have to get mean. You almost have to embrace the villain role they're bringing with you, describes another supporter quoted by GNet. You know, this is yeah, not uh, wrong. I mean, yeah, well, but in terms of like, you know, the aesthetic with the laser eyes and like the, the neo-Nazi symbolism and like, you know, like uh, Trump brandishing some sort of golden sword to, 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 to put to smite his enemies or whatever. I think like uh, this this does this does rhyme with uh, last week's episode because like, you know, I, I know I know the, the, the beliefs of these people. And I guess like these are the ones who are willing to say what J.D. Vance or, like, Blake Masters, like, chooses to sort of shade through innuendo. 
but I think it, you're really uh, you're doing it despite how um, you know poisonous or dangerous you may believe their beliefs are. I think you're really doing these people a favor by talking about them in these like apocalyptic, dangerous terms. Like they're like because like oh they're like they're, they're they're villains. You know they're the super villains of our society, and it's like uh, I mean like yeah like I I certainly don't want to see the politics that they espouse um, uh, come to fruition, but. I don't know. I mean, it's just like I, I think these people want to be seen as uh, villains and they want to be seen as frightening, uh, you know, liberals. Yeah. And, and liberals want the, to see them that way. Yeah. Like this is all once again, it's the same thing as the disinformation thing. This is serving every quadrant. It's getting everybody to feel validated. The, the, the dark MAGA people get to feel like instead of the, the most pathetic losers on Earth, they're the vanguard of a political movement and the people who want to scare themselves about uh trump all day instead of like looking at anything else uh because there's nothing they can do about that other than just holler about trump more which is what they wanted to do anyway this is great it feeds their anxiety i mean it's 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 a win-win everybody wins with this yeah a lot of people are about to um hit their heads and lose their ukraine expertise and maybe return (laughs) to being extremism experts (laughs) yeah but yeah like uh just the this is sort of like a I was, you know, I was thinking about Thursday's show, and uh, I'd like to, you know, like I'd like to paraphrase a, a friend of ours, uh, Cliff, who we like we were talking about this, and uh, he said something that I think like uh, we were all sort of trying to, sort of grasping at trying to communicate. I think he summed it up um, quite eloquently when he said that like this sort of new, new post, post right, and they're kind of like ominous fascist leanings or whatever. Um, is it, it, sort of like, and, and you know, like, because, you know, if something smells like fascism, like, I don't mind people talking about it or, or, or naming it as such, and this certainly does. But, like, I don't think these people really want to um, wage some sort of, like, uh, blood-soaked war for their American Caesar. I think they want to remove themselves from mainstream society and replace the institutions, that, that, not to destroy the institutions they're attacking, but to like, kind of uh, replace them with institutions that they're totally in control of rather than, like, raising all of American society to the ground. Yeah, yeah because no, yeah. Every, their lives depend on all those institutions. They have no other way of living. None of us do. That's why everyone is fucking paralyzed. Yeah, I mean, this is the Grubhub country. We're not making new institutions. Continuing in the uh, the Dark MAGA article, it says, uh, the Dark MAGA idea of this glorious leader who's been punished and sent away, deposed and humiliated, and he needs to come back with and harden his heart is a narrative that wouldn't be out of place like in games like Warhammer 40,000 or a Japanese anime, Squirrel says. Uh, Squirrel's one of the, um, he's the head of communications and editorial at the Institute for Strategic Dialogue. And it said, Dark MAGA, according to Alice E. Marwick, Associate Professor of Communication at the University of North Carolina and Principal Researcher at the Center for Information and Technology and Public Life, is an evolution of the feeling of disappointment and disenfranchisement that many Trump supporters have felt after the 2020 election. So, I mean, Dark MAGA was born from the alt-right's feeling of having lost power and seeking to regain that power at any cost. Dark MAGA posts are far from receiving the same kind of attention that brought similar sorts of political memes to become so relevant in the 2016 election. But in the next two years, things might change. So, yeah, I mean, things might change, but in, in the meantime, it just everyone is stuck in just trying to discover a new aesthetic and a new meme. But, uh, you know, no, no one's really... Uh, uh, taking back power or uh, like you said, threatening the uh, institutions that govern American life. Or, I mean, I mean, it depends. I mean, like they're like, you know, the right wing in this country is, you know, currently trashing the, the, what's the threads that are left of our civilization. But 
I don't, I don't know. I mean, what do you guys think about this? I mean, is there any, any further thoughts on Thursday's discussion? No, I just, I, I think the same thing, that it's just going to be like a dance at increasingly short intervals of cultural swings until like something breaks. And I don't think that breaking point is like necessarily like armed civil war, or nuclear holocaust. I, I think it's attractive for people to think those things, uh, whether it's like, you know, civil war fantasies on the right or uh, fantasies of Americans specifically being wiped out by climate change in the next 50 years. They're all attractive to think because that means you don't have to reconcile with the fact that you're a first worlder and you have to live out the rest of your life and you have to figure out what that means. Uh, a breaking point could just mean it's the end of whatever this is that we've been doing for the last 30 or 40 years. Um, and I legitimately do not know what comes after that. I don't think that's it necessarily means what comes next is better or worse. I mean, time will tell, but I certainly don't see anything that new. Well, uh, this uh, this dovetails uh, quite nicely with our uh, next election for this week. And, you know, we're talking about, you know, politics that seem fascist. Um, Here's another thing that's fascist. Uh, Movies. Movie mindset. Is it a pipeline to white supremacy? Well, we're going to investigate. Yeah, so I don't think Dark Maga is fascist. I do think movies are, though. <laughs> but that yeah, doesn't well, I mean, mean... I mean, I support them both, so... Uh, th- this comes courtesy of The Guardian, and, you know, like, uh, th- th- this kicked off a debate last week surrounding a certain movie that just came out, uh, Robert Eggers' The Northman. And uh, the question is, is a movie that makes Vikings seem cool, um, is that inherently fascist? Or does the fact that... Um, uh, certain unsavory characters are embracing this movie for nefarious reasons. Does that mean the movie itself um, should be wholly condemned for accidentally um, inspiring um, evil in the world? I have some thoughts on the Northman. My thoughts are like if I if I were reviewing it for a newspaper and I didn't like it, I would say Agers' gloomy Northman is sunny side down. Well, I, I was going to say here. Um, I, I have seen The Northman. Uh, Felix and Matt, have you seen it? No. Yeah, I saw it. You saw it? Okay. So, yeah, Chris and I saw it. And I got to say, like, all, all this controversy over The Northman could have been avoided had Robert Eggers chosen to come on the show. But he didn't. And now, uh, now unfortunately, he's, he's, he's canceled, sis. He's a white supremacist. And that's that on that. I mean, have you seen the guy's haircut? No. Uh, just kidding. But uh, we, we did ask Robert Eggers to come on the show. But uh, unfortunately, they declined. Uh, but uh, th- this is the Guardian article about the Northmen. Uh, North, the headline is Norse Code. Are white supremacists ah, nice. reading too much into the Northmen? Robert Edgar's Viking blockbuster has already been hailed by white nationalists keen to exploit European mythology. Can Hollywood tell historical tales without unwittingly appealing to toxic ideologies? No. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, of course, of course they can't. Yeah. I've seen Spy Kids. I've seen how that inspired Charlottesville. <laughs> At the London premiere of The Northman in early April, the director Robert Eggers explained on stage how he was seeking to reclaim Viking history from right-wing groups. Many of these groups thrive on myths of an imagined European past, a time before racial mixing or progressive politics, when men were mighty warriors and women were compliant childbearers. As Eggers told The Observer recently, such associations almost put him off making The Northman. 
the macho stereotype of that history, along with, you know, the right wing misappropriation of Viking culture made me sort of allergic to it. And I just never wanted to go there. Eggers has spoken of his scholarly research and commitment to getting Viking history right down to the smallest details. But as rigorous and accomplished as The Northman is, it might in fact be the kind of movie the alt-right loves. The, North, the Northman's 10th century society appears to be uniformly white and firmly divided along patriarchal lines. Men do the ruling and the killing. Women do the scheming and baby making. Its hero, portrayed played by Alexander Sarsgaard, is not a million miles from the macho stereotype Eggers complained of, a brawny warrior who settles most disputes with a sword and without a shirt. So, uh, having seen the movie, if, uh, if, if Robert Eggers' intention was to make the macho bloodlust of Viking culture seem uncool and unappealing, then I have to say he has, he has failed in that regard because I thought it was very cool. I mean, I wouldn't want to live in 10th century Iceland, but, you know, watching it was cool as hell. Like when they go Wolfman Berserker mode and just massacre that whole village. Uh, when Chris and I saw the movie, I was Nicholson nodding in the scene where they throw children into a barn and then set it on fire and lock the door. You know, I mean, look, when, when they show you like you take mushrooms and turn into a wolf and then massacre a village. Is it macho? Yes. Is it cool as hell? Also, Yes. But that doesn't necessarily mean I would like to live in Viking times, you know, like and I think uh, that is um, honestly like if you think about Eggers' movies like uh, leading up to like I think like he especially with The Witch, but certainly in The Lighthouse, too. But like and now definitely in The Northman, I think he is very good at portraying the past like a totally different galaxy than the present and allowing the viewer to. Um, sort of experience the completely different ways of thinking that people in the past, like the, the, that their subjective experience of reality was categorically different than anyone in a modern era can really like metabolize or understand. And I thought his, I thought his movies do a really good job of rendering that, which you know necessarily involves uh, portraying a set of values and codes of behavior that are um, rather, uh, rather frightening or immoral to a modern audience. But know that bearing a stolen ring makes no half-breed king. Soaked in my blood, twill soon be sliding off your arm like a serpent. Your kingdom will not last. Continuing on, it says here... Uh, uh, Sarsgaard's love interest, played by Anya Taylor-Joy, could be the far-right male's dream woman. Beautiful, fair-haired, loyal to her man, and committed to bearing his offspring. Even before the film's release, far-right voices were giving their approval on the anonymous message board site 4chan. Northman is a based movie, and I like that The Guardian uh, it puts in brackets next to based, agreeable, in case anyone uh, wasn't, wasn't familiar. Yeah, is it, a should based be, it should be taken out of theaters. Because the 4chan guy said it's based. Um, it says it's a based, agreeable movie, all white cast, and shows pure, raw masculinity. Robert Edgars, he is restoring pride in our people with his great films. The Northman is going to be epic. Hail Odin. So, I mean, I guess that this 4chan guy didn't even see the movie. He said it's going to be epic. Is this, like, the only argument he has? That, like, 4chan people were excited it's, to see it? So Robert, Robert Eggers failed? It's like it's a 4chan comment, and then I believe later in the article he quotes like uh, some sort of Stormfront account. This is just well, nothing. At, at any point, do they claim that that like it'll help recruiting or anything, or do they just say these people who are bad enjoy it? I think it's basically yeah that these people are bad who enjoy it, and, and like so that's they, 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 that's that's I mean that's very fitting because you know that is that is the future of 
you know, politics, politics as entertainment is, you know, as we, as we've all said a million times, like everyone has given up and any fantasy even of things getting better. Everyone kind of is bracing themselves for things getting worse with politics and, and the spectacle that we, uh, uh, absorb politics through uh, does offer the opportunity, the fantasy of uh, our enemies, our ideological enemies, who we blame for things getting worse, to uh, be punished some way, to feel bad. And so, things like what's a good movie boil down to: Will this movie make people that I dislike feel good when they watch it? And if it does, that makes it a bad movie because the movies to be good should make people I don't like feel bad. If they make them feel good, if they provide them with like the basic pleasure uh, that that filmed entertainment is supposed to provide, you know, a hypothetically apolitical audience, then that they have uh, failed because they're not consciously provoking and undermining and and, and upsetting the people we don't like. I mean, uh, this is a this is a point uh, our friend uh, Andrew Hudson made about Robert Edgar's movies and uh, particularly The Northman and The Witch, but. Uh, Eggers as a director, like he does, he does choose material, and I think he's very canny at portraying the kind of foundational myths of white people back to them in a very kind of uh, both historically accurate but kind of like brutal and uh, upsetting way. And I think that's actually to a great his to his great credit as an artist and a filmmaker, because you know, like uh, the witch is basically about you know like the the myths of like the founding of America, like the. Cl- cl- Puritan colonists in New England in the 17th century. And uh, the Northman is just is is the myth that Hamlet is based on the way the way his films um, like, you know, like ch- channel the the kind of like the myths and culture of European people in the Americas and then in the, and in the distant past, like in the 10th century, which is when the North, North the Northman takes place. And it's a question of like, yeah, like obviously like the, the alt-right likes, you know, or neo-Nazis or whatever, like olden times because they think it was like, you know, more hospitable to their point of view or would allow them, they, they could have a, a sort of like a, a broadsword and a shield instead of like, you know, whatever bullshit job they're doing on the computer. But, you know, I don't, I like, it's just like, this is where this article goes. It's like, it, it begins to question like, is any depiction of the past of like the European peoples in the past, is it like, the, the, it implies that it's inherently white supremacist. Uh, Continuing on in the article, it says, on the face of it, some images of Sarsgaard in the Northmen, bare-chested, pumped up with battle rage, wearing a wolf's pelt as headgear, are uncomfortably close to those of Jake Angeli, a.k.a. the QAnon shaman, the abiding mascot of the January 6th assault on the (laughs) U.S. Capitol. Oh, my fucking God. (laughs) Oh, my fucking God. If this guy really believes this, he should he should live in daycare for the rest of his life, but he he doesn't. He he just like he needed to write an article. God, it, like yeah. just every bit of culture is just the thinnest fucking gruel. It's just I it's remember, like stretching. Uh, it's stretching like a teaspoon of of cornstarch in five liters of water. It was a while ago now because obviously Colin Kaepernick has been out of the league, but for for years. But I remember. I read an article or something about ESPN and this is like right after Ka- Kaepernick had his first big season uh, where I think he took him to the world series or world series. He took him to the super bowl, uh, the super bowl where the lights went out, which I always think will be the perfect place to start any, you know, documentary about the final collapse of America with the fucking lights going out at the super bowl. But uh, Ron Jaworski, who's a former quarterback and, uh, was a talking head. I don't know if he still is. Was a talking head on ESPN. Uh, 
was essentially assigned the opinion to have on the shows that he was going to go on and talk that Colin Kaepernick might be the greatest quarterback of all time when he's done with his career because of how much potential he had and how good his first season was. And in this article, there's just these depictions of Jaworski just sort of walking around, going into the break room, drinking coffee, and just sort of talking to himself and talking himself into it, being like, I can sell this. I could, I could sell this. Yes, absolutely. And I feel like these guys all are that now. Like they all, yeah, yeah there's such a thin gruel. There's so, there's like a few things that are flashpoints at any given moment. There are only a couple like opinions you can have on them that will hit the right uh, quadrants as we discussed. And then you just are assigned an opinion about them that you are then forced to figure out a way to justify and ju to justify your job and to uh, keep the people reading this shit uh, on the hook. Yeah. If you're in media now, like in the past, like 10 years or so, your job is like a cross between a dunk tank clown and a health tonic salesman. <laughs> you're like, you're completely full of shit and you don't really like believe anything that you're saying, but the high, like the, the highest place you can get at your profession, like the most paid, the most seen, the most recognized is being someone whose articles routinely get them yelled at. I cannot believe for a second that this guy actually believes this. Maybe he does. I, I don't know. But it seems like it was two days before a deadline and either consciously or subconsciously thought like, okay, I need something that like people will quote tweet. And he came up with this sort of warmed over 2017 horseshit. Well, I mean, uh, Matt, this speaks to your point about how all bases are covered because I'm, I'm certain because, because of this reaction to the Northmen, like if, if there were, if there were, weren't white supremacists that were um, excited to see this movie before. They certainly are now. Absolutely. And, and the evidence of that, I don't know if you guys saw this on Twitter, but it was a, it was a, a, a gang of fellas who uh, all, all decided to go do some movie mindset together, go to the movies with your friends. That's one of the most mindset things you can do. But they chose to go to the movies and sneak in their own food with them. Uh, milk duds, maybe a little beer, uh, popcorn, nachos, no. It was raw ground beef. It was raw meat, or like uh, that they were eating out of a big bowl together at the at the at the screening of the Northmen, and and Zig Heiling uh, the screen together, and you know just the as far as historical accuracy goes, I mean, could we just have some? Could you be eating some pickled fish, please? Because I'm sorry, uh, the 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 Norse people were did not eat a raw beef. Yeah, uh, it, it, that was not that was not a staple of their diet. But I mean, it just goes to show like the. Like I said, like th th this is what these people really believe in: is eating raw beef in a movie you think is going to uh, frighten people, or just like play into, you know, just rile people up. And like I said, like I'm, I'm certain it is because of like articles like this in the Guardian, and that people need to believe. And then on the other side, people who need to believe that, that they are part of like uh, that, they, that they are, um, you know, like uh, heirs to the, the Nordic races of people and like uh, the Viking conquest of Europe by eating raw beef in a movie theater. Yeah, the, the dance between like article heads and like the online edgy dudes is it's like if when a parent puts his hands over a baby's eyes and the baby thinks he's, he disappears, if the parent really thought they were disappeared during that time. <laughs> I, I also want to point out that the, the real thing that Vikings did that these guys got right, because yeah, no, they didn't eat raw beef or like ground beef. Certainly not. 
they did love movies produced by like 11 Jewish guys. The, the real Vikings would go to royal courts all over Europe and steal court Jews and have them compose epics, uh, the basis of which, or several of which were the basis for things like Mad About You and Frasier. <laughs> yeah. There's a Viking word that roughly translates to story Jew, and it's a tradition that's passed down to white people today. Yeah, a, a King Canute of Denmark um, uh, had, had a long uh, sort of like a written correspondence with a it was like a, a scribe, a scribe psychologist where you write in your, uh, your your queries about your life to him. And then he responds. And that was the basis of Frasier. And he, and he also had a, 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 a sort of a, a, an, an effeminate uh, brother who uh, got in, involved in this. This was this is one of the early, one of the most ancient myths of the Western Caucasian peoples. I love traditions continuing. Uh, Matt, did you like the Northmen? Oh yeah, it was awesome. I mean, the main the, the, the main thing that the, the reason it's so funny to talk about is politics in any kind of like practical sense is that the main thing that I got from it is that those people in that time were essentially aliens. Yeah, they lived in an yeah. entirely different psychic world that is absolutely inaccessible to any of us, and, and we cannot I, go back to. Yeah, and that's what and, that, that, all you, said, like, and that fetishizing it is just this pathetic play act because you can't get in there. You cannot believe that Val Hall is real. You can't do it. You can't. You can. Just, you can poison yourself with fucking Kroger uh, ground beef all you want. It's not going to make Val Hall real. You have to have it socially reinforced from like birth. It's it's and, it's a it's a different universe, and uh, and like th this is my point earlier about like how Eggers portrays uh, the past like a science fiction reality, and what I think the strengths of his movies, uh, you know, contra uh, this Guardian article, and what I think people are losing the ability to do, and like uh, with you know adult serious works of art, is that Eggers presents these characters but like makes no effort to uh, moralize about their behavior. Cause like, yeah, Alexander Sarsgaard is the hero of this movie, but like in one of the, like the first half an hour or so of the movie, you see him massacre a village of people and like sell them into slavery. And at no point does he question like, Oh, is this wrong or feel bad about it? No. Cause like th this is the values of the world he inhabits and the movie. Like, I mean, like it, it doesn't, it doesn't give the viewer like any, any touchstone for like, you know, what, what is, how should I feel about this? I mean, well, it's obvious how you should feel about it. It's, it's wrong to massacre and enslave people, but that's not what the movie's about. The, movies are, the movie is about people who thought that that was a normal way of life. I will say, though, that uh, there is a, a element of truth to all of these anxiety articles and posts about movies being a, such and such movie or such and such director being fash or whatever, and that is that movies are kind of inherently reactionary. Like it's a, it's a popular art form where you are subjected to like a totalizing artistic vision. Uh, and it's totally aesthetic. I mean, you're just, you're just watching it. And the stuff that is fun to watch is, you know, the surrender of uh, all of your precious ideas of, you know, liberal humanity that people are trying to. So, uh, so fretfully uh, tend to nowadays. Uh, and, that's what that's why there's this like note of desperation and hysteria behind this desire to create to create virtuous entertainment that is always going to be sending good messages so that people can behave well and why so many people are literally fleeing to turn everything into children's entertainment. They want every book to be YA, they want every movie to be some Pixar because conveying like adult reality 
uh, is it's it's a it's 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 literal violence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the the world is filled with uh, literal violence, and the the art we uh, is, seek to reflect that world will often contain the you know uh, nastier elements of the reality we all inhabit. But I want to go back to his comparison of uh, Sarsgaard's character to the QAnon shaman. I mean, like that's the most offensive thing about this because, like, I I did not make that connection in my head until I read this fucking article and, and anyone who would make that connection, it's like, no Sarsgaard when he's wearing the wolf pelt and going berserker mode looks cool as hell. The QAnon shaman has never looked cool. Yeah. Like he, he, I mean like uh, he's got a good physique, but like, come on, like, like the face paint, like this is dork. This is, this he is was wearing shit. khakis. Like, <laughs> yeah. He had fucking dockers on. Continuing with the article. It says here, um, Eggers would doubtless be horrified to be associated with such movements. But the Northman illustrates how cinema can be misappropriated in ways the makers never intended. In the yeah, past, that, of decades, course, so what? <laughs> I thought if this that's was like the, case, the whole you either, canon of none of it matters criticism. and you just watch a movie and chillax, or then we have to go pull pot mode and have no movies for anybody. Uh, yeah, in the no, past, there are there are like probably schizophrenics who watch Teletubbies and think it's giving them messages to kill their parents. Should they, should like they take responses? Should the producers of Teletubbies take responsibility for that? Like who Absolutely. fucking gives a shit? You know what's next, Felix? They're coming for Barney next. You know, well, yeah, like, Barney's he, always been controversial. There's <laughs> nothing new for him or fans, fans of his. Going on, it says, um, uh, in the past two decades, the entire cultural landscape and films about European history in particular has been weaponized and politicized by the far right. A guide to the far right mindset was created on Stormfront, the notorious white nationalist site in 2001. A contributor named uh, Yugdrasil, there is that North mythology again, began a thread on content that we can watch repeatedly, laying out guidelines and making, making and soliciting suggestions. The thread now runs to 154 pages. Yegdrasil's criteria for what qualifies as a good white nationalist film include positive portrayal of whites in defense against the depredation of liberalism, crime, and attack by alien races. Positive portrayal they of her- invented liberalism during the like during the time that's predicted. <laughs> like there's hundreds of years before anyone yeah, came no up lips. with the idea of that. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I, I hate it. I hate it when I, I hate it when I'm like raping an entire village and like pussy hat people protest me. <laughs> uh, a positive portrayal of heterosexual relationships and sex, marriage, procreation, and child rearing. Portrayal of white males as intelligent, sensitive, and strong in positive leadership roles and or romantic leads, and particularly intense portrayals of white female beauty in non-degrading roles. Disqualifying themes include homosexuality, racial mixing, negative portrayals of Christianity, and portrayals of white people as inferior. The Northman pretty much ticks all these boxes, but then so do many other movies. Indeed, if you're looking for a Hollywood movie to support white supremacist beliefs, you don't have to look far. So there we go. Movies are fascist. Does he give examples? Yeah, they are. Of like other movies. Chill out. Uh, they all are. Then. Yeah. Even Pixar. Some of Storm- made by uh, massive uh, collections of fucking capital. What what message do you think they're really sending here? It has nothing to do with anything that's on. Uh, that's that's uh, that you're absorbing consciously. Well, here are some examples of uh, some Stormfront film recommendations. Are predictable. Uh, the Birth of a Nation. Triumph of the Will. Braveheart, Zulu, a lot of Jane Austen, Shakespeare, and Clint Eastwood. Few will be surprised to see the Lord of the Rings movies come highly recommended. 
neither J.R.R. Tolkien nor Peter Jackson consciously framed the fantasy epic as white nationalist propaganda, but as with Nordic mythology, it harks back to an imaginary Eurocentric realm in which the heroes are considered to be white-skinned and were cast as such in the movies, and their chief enemies, the orcs, are characterized as dark-skinned, ugly, and uncivilized. I mean, I'm... I'm I'm ready. I'm, I've, been, I've been waiting for someone to cancel The Lord of the Rings because I'm yeah, those tired, fucking of, movies tired of those fucking movies. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. um, but uh, like, I mean, this gets into another uh, like aspect of the uh, critique of this movie is that like, OK, yeah, his depiction of 10th century Iceland does not include uh, any uh, people of color. And uh, a lot of people like are sort of. Uh, medievalists or people who like you know claim to have some sort of expertise in uh, this time period pointed out that you know Vikings uh, the their reach extended well into the Mediterranean and they had contact with you know like uh, uh, North African and Middle Eastern cultures, but like that contact was largely them fucking raping and pillaging people and setting up homesteads for their own people to like literally colonize. So like yeah, Vikings were familiar with other races of people, but it's just like it doesn't there's this like weird attempt to like okay like white supremacist people um uh they like vikings because they're they represent like you know white male masculinity and sort of like uh um unblemished by you know cosmopolitan or uh sort of uh, diverse values or whatever so like the way to own them is to aha but like what 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 if you knew that the vikings were actually queer and poc and it's just like, I don't think that does you the favor or your side the favor you think it does. Because, like, if you're saying that, like, the, the people who were uh, marauding the coasts of Europe for centuries, like, raping and enslaving everyone they uh, came across were, in fact, non-white POC, it's like, what, what are you going with there? What's the angle here? No, the angle is that you've ruined the movie for the people you don't like. Okay. They can't enjoy it now. Like, you licked, you licked the, uh, the, the bagel and now they can't pick it up off of the tray. Like that, boom! <laughs> now the people I don't like. Here's another. Here's a film that they cannot enjoy. I win. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't think the licking the bagel strategy is going to work for this one. I mean, eventually there's going to be. Some, I mean, I don't know. This movie kind of bombed, so who knows what they're going to take from yeah. that? Maybe it's like no more history movies of any kind, or maybe we do need to make them more diverse. I don't know. I do think it is funny how and how much it shows the absolute limitations of people's imaginations and how much those limitations are constructed by like the realities of of capitalist uh production that instead of fantasizing about movies about you know historical africa for example people can only fantasize about uh diversifying like historical europe like right. tell, like they want to hit the, the same stories that have been told before but now i want it to be diverse like the the assumption the the you have you have accepted that these are the only stories we can tell are these Eurocentric historical narratives. And then the, the greatest uh, feat of representation you can imagine is to ahistorically bust them open with, uh, with diversity instead of like move the, the uh, camera to somewhere else that's been underserved traditionally. But where's the market? There's no proven market for that. This is not proven IP. It's not going to get made. Well, yeah, it seems like there's no proven market for movies about the past of any anyone's past right now. But Matt, this touches on another thing that you and I have talked about, which is like for the for the marquee, like top line, like like art, like legacy directors, it does seem like most of them are not 
don't want to have anything to do with making a movie about the present. Yeah, is it they all want to like all move like they like all good movies for the most part now are set in the past, and now like it could be like a distant past of like the tenth century or just like I don't know the late seventies or something. But it seems like pre you know smartphones. Well, that's I think the important thing is because because like uh, the phones having a phone on you has like changed fundamentally the way that we interact in a way that like we might all say is for the better on 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 uh on balance i mean in in the sense that it helps us like compensate for you know the loneliness caused in part by that change sure but it makes the idea of like depicting yeah uh, the contemporary reality dramatically incredibly difficult you know, because like if you're if you're like previously, if you were going to dramatize a phone call between two people, like that's easy enough to do. But like now, I think like with filmmakers or like uh, TV shows or movies said about the present, they have to they have to incorporate texting into that reality. And a lot of times they will put the text on the screen of the movie, which I really don't like. But like, I mean, what else are you going to do? How are you going to communicate like two people communicating wordlessly with one another looking at these little boxes in their hands? Yeah, it's death. It's death. Like we we have made ourselves unfilmable, even though that's all we do all day is film each other. Boom. Uh, here, here's a surprising recommendation from the Stormfront movie list. Uh, it's Notting Hill. The readers of Horse and Hound will be absolutely delighted. The Julia Roberts, Cary Grant. Uh, uh, sorry, Cary Grant, Hugh Grant movie. It says few would have marked the Richard Curtis rom com as a key white nationalist text, even if it was criticized at the time for excluding people of color from its multiracial, multicultural London neighborhood. But from the perspective of a white nationalist blogger, Notting Hill is a story in which the white victims of cultural destruction manage to extricate themselves and find happiness. <laughs> okay, so yeah, they've definitely given up any because, yeah, as I said, the only even surface plausible pitch that you're to to, to make uh, condemning these because I mean, obviously, this is the, the the dumbest part of all of it. It's like, okay, even if these movies are literally white white nationalist recruitment things, what what does that have to do with you? What? Are you are, are you are you going to make the strong case to ban them? No, then you're just fucking whining. But anyway, like the only case you could make that's even like surface plausible for why you should care is if these things are used as recruitment. And now I'm imagining some Derek Vineyard motherfucker getting like a, a an impressionable teen kid who just like got beaten up by black kids in at gym and taking them to their home and showing them Notting Hill. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then it's four weddings and a funeral after that but you know uh the funeral is white civilization if we don't stand up against the great replacement <laughs> i heard that i heard that before charlottesville they watched moonrise kingdom to pump themselves up <laughs> well wes anderson is the other director that i saw people this week calling fascist he's fash he's he's fash it's just there, there's no way around it there's no way he's around in it the state. he's like i don't want to i, I want to have my little my little play place and I want to make my little dolls do stuff. And it's like, yeah, that is, that's not, that's not a uh, liberal politics. That's not social democracy. It's a, it's, it is, but it is a piece of art and it is aesthetic and movies. I'm sorry. They should be able to justify themselves on the question of their artistic merit that I think is independent of their political valence. Um, and that used to be, I mean, I don't sound like a crank uh, me old man, but that used to be understood. Like Bob Dole was the guy who tried to make movies uh, a culture war touchstone in 96 when he had nothing to run on because Clinton had done the entire Republican playbook in his first term. So he said movies are too violent these days. 
Uh, Pulp and, Fiction and Train Spotting. Yeah, and people said movies don't make you do things. What are you talking about? And now it's completely flipped because of how much uh, the political horizon has shrunk, and how much while the political horizon has shrunk, the imagined uh, uh, horizon of catastrophe has has grown in its horrors and its and its detail that you can imagine. So now people are looking for anything, anything to throw at this future that's coming hurtling towards them. And like, what if we all watch the right movies becomes just this last gasp uh, fantasy of transformation that doesn't require uh, really engaging in a political project that nobody believes in anymore. It's it's flipped to the point where, yeah, the this sort of left liberal thing is an obsession with movies causing you to do things. And then on the right, it's like sports are fundamentally opposed to our values. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The right wing has taken a turn against sports recently. They're like, yeah, like watching sports is like cucking yourself because they're they're anti-white or something or like, yeah, that 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 it's like it, it's white men sort of like uh, like offloading their um, uh, feelings of power and prowess onto to non-white men who are competing at the highest levels of athletics. That is I mean, one it, thing I did. That is one thing I do like about like our current thin gruel culture is that um, b- both sides of the culture and of the uh, like the political spectrum have taken each other's worst aspects from each other. Like the, the both like the thing like. Not worst aspects, but things that make them the most annoying. No, like the right wing is doing. Oops, is there a Sporbs ball on now? Yeah, no, there, because- there are. There's an ascendant like soy right. There's like a like a serious like liberal left. It's um, it's a it is a, a great new future. I'm more excited for the soy right than anything. I mean, the the, the soy right wing, like, uh, well, there's like you know, like I I just saw I saw some thread from uh, with the the uh, concept James. Which I think is like I think he's he is probably like the the best embodiment of the the new soy right and and that is like and it embodies a mode of the kind of the Victorian hysteric, but it seems to me like as his mental illness progresses, he like cycles through alienating himself from more and more basic tenets of like everyday life and society. Like he was saying that Christianity is like too cucked to you know do a do a, to- a top down uh, remake of everything, and then he said uh, most states are too. And, you know, I just like it's this process of like further alienating yourself from like um, just thing, things that were once taken for granted because you think that they've become politicized in a way that's uh, untenable to you. Eventually, maybe, he maybe is the, going to convert fucking... to Wahhabism, which they all are. I really do think on a long enough timeline, they all have to eventually uh, take take the green pill of Islam. <laughs> I don't think it's I don't think it's Wahhabism. I think he's getting like groomed into Nexium as a 41 year old man, dude. That shit is yeah, insane. That, uh, that, yo, that like, shit is insane. Like, yeah. yeah, he's hanging That's out true. with like an Anexium, Anexium cult member who is like recruiting people. That's what's really yeah, happening. I want to see his brand. And, and yeah, no, exactly. He got his balls branded by fucking what's that guy's name? Like uh, Cali from uh, yeah Battlestar. from Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> oh yeah, like yeah, no, he's yeah. He, no. And the weird thing about that is like, I mean, like obviously, like it's the obvious hypocrisy here is that uh, Concept James is like the the number one proponent of like this grooming. Uh, everyone's a groomer now, except for I don't know members of Keith Raniere's literal grooming sex cult. But yeah, like uh, I, I don't know, but like Matt, like to, to your point about like how, like you know, like it's it's a, it's a function of like that that nobody believes in politics anymore. But like, do you think that that ties in with what we were talking about earlier about how 
all the best artists no longer make movies about the present. Yeah. Is that like, it's just the only thing, the only thing that like uh, is sort of pleasing or interesting to depict or they can have meaning communicated through it is stories about the past in some way because nobody really, uh, there, there is, there's nothing in the present moment to sink your teeth into. Yeah, everything, uh, everything is on its surface. Everything, everything. There is no subtext to anything. It's been totally dissolved. Depth metaphor has been annihilated. So, what are you supposed to tease out? Everyone just says explicitly uh, what they're thinking about everything because there is this social media hive mind where they go and uh, participate and then bring that back with them and like synthesize their thoughts so that everything is a commentary on itself. There's nowhere for you as, as someone who's trying to, you know, uh, evoke to to uh, anchor yourself. Um, just to, just to round out this article here, it says uh, the far right also engages in more in-depth forms of movie commentary via YouTube videos and podcasts. Far right figureheads Richard Spencer and Mark Bromand host a podcast that conducts 90 minute analyses of movies such as Tenet, GoldenEye and Midsummer, parsing their supposedly hidden meetings often through a male chauvinist and anti-Semitic lens. Midsummer, which deals with Scandinavian folklore in the present day, did not go down well. Brahman described it as a deep insult against our people. See, like, these motherfuckers, like, this is the soy right here. Like, these motherfuckers are exactly like the people yeah. that, are, that are criticizing the Northmen. Because it's, you know, it's not, it's not diverse enough. And then, like, they see Midsummer and they're like, oh, <laughs> this, this, is, this, is, this is a slander against Nordic peoples. Yeah, and that movie. By the way, that movie's a slander against boyfriends Absolutely. of all races, not 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 <laughs> Scandinavian people. Propaganda. <laughs> Where needs to be accountability on that shit? <laughs> that movie was literal violence against boyfriends who did nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. That movie did absolutely nothing wrong, except when he that, stole the masterpieces about like, from his friend. That movie's about like an anti-boyfriend cult. Yes, literally, it's yeah, about it's the world's a- most annoying girlfriend. Who shoehorns herself into a, a a cool dude's vacation to to some Scandinavian uh, village, and then um, he's punished for it quite literally um, in human sacrifice at the end of it. The god in the anti-boyfriend cult, like when you die, the first words you hear are asking you how your day at work was. <laughs> <laughs> he like remembers all the names of your coworkers you don't like. <laughs> So yeah, just it says we could see these activities simply as a form of extreme extreme forms of film criticism. I love that extreme film criticism. Extreme film criticism brought to you by Doritos. <laughs> Doritos raw beef flavor. <laughs> but Josh Vandiver, a lecturer at Ball State University in Indiana, who studies right wing appropriations of popular culture, prefers to describe them as metapolitics. If politics is the occupation of territory, metapolitics is the occupation of culture, he says. They are, at some level, creating a community. They comment upon films. They try to interpret them. That's what they do together, at least publicly. And we could contrast that to more traditional forms of political organizing that the far right for decades has not seen itself as able to do, marching in the streets or organizing political parties. So instead, they spend all this time on metapolitics. I mean, I guess the lesson here, like, back to like last week's episode, is it seems like all, that's all anyone is spending time on anymore because there are no politics left. It's like metapolitics are the only thing that exists anymore. So yeah. that's why we yeah. have, like need to investigate and parse culture to the extent that that uh, is now being demanded of us. And that's why people really believe with a straight face that like the the Twitter left liberal like consensus hive mind uh, is the actual ruling class of America because it's the only place where they actually uh, like engage with 
with any kind of power, like the power of social exclusion, whereas everything else has been uh, algorithmically alienated from any kind of human interaction. Yeah, and there's a there is a symbiotic relationship there too. Just in the same way that there's like a relationship between like the 4chan posters and the guy who wrote this article, there is a relationship between like you know, the shittiest parts of online left liberal media or whatever like things on TV you see that annoy you and like whoever wants to write five articles a month getting angry at their timeline. Uh the, both sides of this like completely need each other. It's the only thing keeping either going and both fundamentally the signs of a culture running on fumes. Um, it says here, it would be easy to blame the far right alone for this situation, but it has been given plenty to work with by Hollywood and academia. By and large, films and the histories from which they draw have been overwhelmingly controlled by people of white European descent whose own blind spots might play well into the far right's hands, especially when it comes to matters of race. I mean, I think the interesting thing about that is like, yeah, Matt, to your point, like, yeah, like it, the, the industry of like entertainment is still largely controlled by white people. So that the stories that they seek out and seek to, you know, uh, express are largely those of like white European culture. But instead of, yeah, like uh, just moving to a different latitude or a different major civilization to, to draw on, uh, they're, they're, you know, like putting non-white people in like medieval settings. And like, it's not like, you know, it's not like medieval Europe was like, to, you know, to, completely devoid of uh, multiculturalism or whatever. But like, I, I mean, like if you're talking about playing into the far right's, you know, attitudes about race, do you think making a stink every time, like a movie that depicts 10th century Iceland as not being diverse enough is in fact playing into the far right's uh, deck of cards here? Yeah. I mean, everybody's, it's not a war, which is how people imagine it. It's a game. Like it is it is it is taking place in a sort of socially constrained air arena uh and everyone in it is consciously and unconsciously following the rules in order to get something out of it get enjoyment get amusement out of it and then they do the rest of their life i mean that's it and you need two teams to have a game. Yeah, that's. I think that's a really good way to think about culture war. If you just change yeah. the phrase to culture games, yes, then like that's I, exactly I think that, that begins, that's exactly it. Yeah, and of course it's people exactly say, it, yes. well, yeah, but like the political con consequences of this, they're not a game, and it's like yes, that's correct. But they're the 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 uh, direction, uh, the flow of that politics, the real politics that you might imagine, uh, it is not some one to one consequence of of the culture game like it is uh an independent factor being shaped by like the material interests of people who actually are near power as opposed to the rest of us who uh are just doing this ritualized performance to distract ourselves and to uh validate ourselves in our impotence and the, the reason that that's important to remember is because it, it robs a lot of this of its uh, uh, immediacy because Yes, like the fact that we have this culture war, this culture game thing happening, uh, it is powering politics that then become real and become horrifying. But the actual content is essentially secondary uh, because what's important is that people are playing. Yeah. But what's important is that the, the space is filled. What's going to come out of that is going to be determined by people with actual like monetary and career stakes in politics which is nobody that any of us know. 
Uh, just to close out the article here, the last paragraph, uh, the author writes, in an ideal world, filmmakers wouldn't have to give a moment's thought to how their films might be co-opted by these groups. We could simply enjoy a movie such as The Northman as a piece of rousing, skillfully made entertainment. Okay, I'll stop you right there because uh, I live in this current world and that's exactly what I did. Can't that's stop true. Awesome. I enjoyed it as a rousing piece of fun entertainment. Did it. Done. Thank yeah. you. I thought, I Thank thought, you it, was, I thought it was a, a really well-made, interesting movie, and I enjoyed it. In a perfect uh, world, just, in a perfect world, I would be able to go to sleep without worrying about a gin who lives in my pantry who's going to cut my cock off and steal it. <laughs> but unfortunately, <laughs> the reality that we live in, you know. The fact that it is no longer possible to do so. Okay, no, it, it is totally possible it's to totally do so. It's totally possible, dude. It's completely it's possible to do so. Yeah. You are the only one making this world reality. You can change. You can. This is not like uh, Valhalla. This is one you can actually change. He's what is it? What people like? What What does he think he's preventing by thinking about it? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying the people, the people, and especially the people who work in the cultural industry, they need movie mindsets so badly. They, yeah. they need to. They need to understand movie mindset. And like the tenets of movie mindset is that movies are more real than reality. But that doesn't mean that that, that does not imply because they're more real than reality and that they're how we process reality that like that makes the stakes for it and, and any even one inch higher than you thought it was before. In fact, it makes it lower. There should be four movies a year, three articles, and all three articles should be like grain reports or the weather. <laughs> And everyone should have to like sit on their hands and like think. No more, no more articles. No more movies. Everyone be, has lost lost their tablet privileges. There should be there should be three movies a year, and those three movies should be Avatar two, three, and four. Yes, yes. And then like if everyone like behaves well and doesn't write the fourth article for the year, the the Animatrix, you get to watch the Animatrix, which is actually not a movie. Uh, short films. Sorry, the fact that it is no longer possible to do so could be seen as a victory of sorts for the far right. But again, don't give them that victory then. Yeah. You, could deny, you, could, you could easily deny them a victory just by imbibing the lessons of movie mindset and just enjoying movies. And just it's having true. You can the defeat movies. them. You can actually you can, beat you these can people. Defeat them. You don't have to be in Twilight Struggle for Eternity. You can have a definitive uh, conquest here. It's in within you to do it. I, I, love, I, I just love the framing of this where it's like... Um, uh, you know, I'm really going to war with them by completely relinquishing this movie that everyone is talking about as theirs. They've completely claimed <laughs> it. Not putting a fucking cent into it. Just immediately giving up after seeing two posts. <laughs> one of them was on Stormfront. There is that no one, no one under the age of 65 posts on Stormfront. <laughs> and the Stormfront article wasn't even about the Northmen. This was just the Stormfront like movie section where they were like, Lord of the Rings, good. Notting Hill, yeah. two thumbs up. Uh, yeah. uh, the 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 movie where Dev Patel plays uh, the you know what's it um the, one of the Arthurian knights. Bad. What movie is that? Uh, the Green Knight. He plays mm -hmm. um what's his name? Gawain. Oh, uh, yes, Gawain. Gawain in the Green Knight. Yeah. Uh, the Northman was a lot better, but it's it's not because of the yeah. Casting. I wonder why you said that. <laughs> it's not because yeah. of the casting. <laughs> lot to think about. Uh, it says. Uh, Okay, but he says, okay, uh, the fact that it is no longer possible to do so could be seen as a victory of sorts for the far right. But failing to consider the stories we tell from first principles could be part of the problem that created them in the first place. By this stage, in fact, filmmakers ought to have realized that if the far right doesn't hate your film, 
you might be doing something wrong. Yep. If you're not inflicting psychic damage on my enemies, your film is a failure. I just, I gotta oh say. That's great. Yeah, you should, like, the only way to defeat this, like, powerhouse political mo- movement of thousands of Americans is to just think about them all the time and make every bit of culture about them. Yep. That's really the only way to win. But like, like I said, like, I mean, like this goes back to the culture games thing and about how like both sides need to play the game. Like, you know, uh, conceptual James is, you know, uh, joining a sex cult, alienating himself from language itself at, at a rapid pace. And on the other side, these Guardian columnists are alienating themselves from from love of the movies because they think that someone out there might be enjoying it who they don't like. And I just like like the, the end result of the of these games here is that more and more. I mean, not conceptual James, because I don't know if he was ever normal, but like otherwise normal people are convincing themselves to become totally like, again, no one forcing them to do it, like forcing themselves to become yeah. totally ostracized from like basic basic fragments of like what 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 amounts to a shared culture in this country if such a thing is said can be said to exist the consequence of the culture game the game that is not designed to have a winner is that literally everything in american life anything anything that could be like a shared experience will be politicized and if you uncritically enjoy or don't enjoy something you are helping someone that you don't like uh yeah and if um yeah it's like if for the right it's i don't know like the frankfurt school or something you know it's, it's just whatever boogeyman and on on the, on the left it's yeah it's like uh you know the the guys eating beef at the at the northman and zig heiling alexander sarsgaard's abs well there you go um but just in case anyone wants to know the uh, official movie mindset uh review of the northman is um two thumbs up yeah um uh, i enjoyed uh, it uh, that's a popcorn <laughs> classic right there it was violent and actually like let me let me parse with the actual ideology of the northman is and like you know mild spoiler alerts for or actually just full-on spoiler alerts for anyone who hasn't seen the movie the true ideology of the northman if we're going to peer beyond the veil of what master filmmaker robert edgars is really trying to communicate with this film is it's simple trust no mom moms are your enemy do not trust you they're they're lying to you and you know like it you know if your father dies and your mother marries your uncle she was in on that shit. So don't, don't save her. There's a lot of Captain Save-A-Mom out there. And I'm saying, you don't, <laughs> no love for these moms. They're, 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 shy, they're snakes. They're shysty. So oh. Robert Edgars, I applaud your movie in spite of its virulent anti-mom message. I won't be seeing it. I, uh, now that I know it's anti-mom, I do think it presents a dangerous message. It's, it's anti-bedtime. It's anti-mom. And it's, anti, uh, it's anti-clean plate club as well. And I, I won't stand for it. I won't stand for it. I'm not gonna let. I'm not gonna let the anti-mom forces out there, the the dad supremacists. I'm not. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna deny them this victory by not liking the Northmen. But you know, we feel Robert Eggers. He failed to consider the first principles of the story he was telling, which is it's quite frankly poisonous anti-mom agenda. So uh, that does it for uh, the Northmen and uh, today's episode. So, gentlemen, I will see Bye-bye. you at the movies, or as I call it, Valhalla. Bye.